and we are going to get into the preaching of the word today. Uh, we are in this series, as you can see on the bulletin, we're talking about the spirit of Jubilee, and this is our 50th anniversary year at Kauai Bible Church, and, and so we are celebrating the Jubilee year, and so we're looking at the concept of Jubilee from the Bible and the promise of Jubilee, right, of the restoration of all things, the liberation of all things, and also the consolation, the comfort of God, even in the difficulties of life, all the promises of Jubilee, and we look looked at already how on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out that it was the culmination of Jesus's jubilee ministry and that now we live in an age where we don't have to declare jubilee once every 50 years we live in the promises of jubilee readily available to us every day and that as a people filled with the spirit of God we have been called to carry on the jubilee ministry of Jesus to continue with everyone that we come into contact with, to let them know that the promise of restoration, the promise of liberation, the promise of consolation is available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so last week, Pastor Christy Sumita did a great job while I was out of town sharing on the power of the Holy Spirit, and she managed to squeeze all of my favorite things into one sermon. She's talking about dogs. She's talking about Marvel movies. She's talking about football. It was awesome, and, and what great testimonies that she shared. And so we're going to continue on in this series today in part three, as I already shared. We're going to be talking about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And so if you've got your notes, you can find them inside the bulletin. Uh, you can also find them on the church app. They're attached to this video on our website, and they're attached to this audio podcast as well. Here's our big picture point today. Here's where we're going to go as we study the scriptures. From the moment we came to Christ, we have been invited into an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit through which we will grow into all that God intended us to become. Right? The Bible says that at the moment of salvation, God deposited his Holy Spirit into us as a seal of our salvation, that we have been redeemed. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We no longer belong to ourselves. More importantly, we no longer belong to the world or to the kingdom of this world. We now belong to God, and we have been transported or transferred into the kingdom of his glorious son. And that Holy Spirit was given to us as a seal of our salvation. But it wasn't just given to us as some random gift or some sign or marker. No, the Holy Spirit was made available to us so that we could walk in intimacy with him. Because it's in that intimacy with the Holy Spirit that we will be shaped and transformed. And that's what we want to dig into today. So first what I want to do, you can see in your notes there that we've got four passages that we're going to, uh, to, to share and to dig into a little bit. But your pastor makes mistakes because I'm a broken human being just like all of us. And so you got to cross out in your notes where it says Ephesians chapter 5. That's supposed to be Galatians chapter 5, all right? That's my bad, all right? So go ahead and fix that in your notes. Uh, that, that's one of the four passages that we're going to be uh, reading together today. So let's talk about knowing the Holy Spirit. There's just three things I wanted to share with you just so that we have the solid foundation that we need to really understand this intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, that the Holy Spirit is a person. 
Pastor Christy actually shared this briefly last week as, as she was teaching. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, I actually preached an entire sermon on this point a couple of years ago, and so I'm not going to re-preach that sermon. I'm just going to direct you to our podcast, and if you have forgotten it, you can scroll back through our podcast back to August 2nd of 2020, and the sermon was called Take My Hand, and you can go and listen to that sermon as a, as a foundation of understanding the personhood of the Holy Spirit. But why do we struggle to view the Holy Spirit as a person of the Trinity? Well, it's really because all the images we have of the Holy Spirit are not of a person. Right now, God the Father, that's really easy to understand that one, right? We can understand the personhood of a father. And then we've got Jesus who actually put skin on as a human being. So it's really easy for us to understand the personhood of Jesus. He walked on this earth. He went through all the things that we go through. But the Holy Spirit, it's so much harder. Why? Because all our lives, we've been taught about the Holy Spirit as a fire, as a wind, as water, as a dove. We've got all of these symbols of the Holy Spirit, but none of them really remind us of a person. We talk about the Holy Spirit pouring out, and we don't really think of people pouring out, or if we did, it would be gross, so we're not going to think about that. <laughs> You're already thinking about it just because I said it. All right, so... But the Holy Spirit is a person, right? When we read in the Bible, we read that the Holy Spirit has a will, that the Holy Spirit has emotions, that he can be grieved. We read that the Holy Spirit has thoughts and he thinks. We read that the Holy Spirit walks with us. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us, right? So we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not just a wind that's blowing. He's not just water that's pouring out. He is a person of the Trinity. And why is this important? Well, I want to share kind of two of the same thoughts from uh, two different uh, great thinkers in Christendom. The first is John Bevere, who's a great teacher and author. He says it like this, someone who sees God's spirit as an influence or supreme power will constantly say, I want more of the spirit. On the contrary, someone who sees them as a wonderful person will say, how can I give more of myself to him? You guys see the difference? It's not, I want more, I want more, I want more of the spirit. It's how can I yield more of my life to the Holy Spirit? Or Pastor Dick Iverson shared it like this. If he, the Holy Spirit, is thought of as merely influence or power, we will say, how can I get a hold of it and use it? But if we recognize him as a divine person, our thoughts will be, how can the Holy Spirit get a hold of me and use me? Right? So the Holy Spirit is not just some impersonal force. He's not just some power that's at work. He's not just going to make us a Jedi. Right? That, that is not who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. He has all the aspects of personhood. And he wants to walk in intimate relationship with us. And so rather than looking at the Holy Spirit as a tool that we can cry out for more of and use... Instead, can we shift our mindset and say, how much of myself can I yield to him so that he can use me? The Holy Spirit is not our tool. We are his. That is who we're called to be. So first off, to walk in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, we have to understand the Holy Spirit is a person. The second thing I want to, to, to think about is this. The Holy Spirit is jealous for our undivided affection. 
The Holy Spirit is jealous for our undivided affection. We're going to go to James chapter 4 and begin in verse 4. And James writes this, you adulteresses. Let's just stop right there. Now, some translations of the Bible change this to the male form of the word, right? And they just say, you adulterers. But James actually wrote the female form of the word. He meant to say, you adulteresses. Why? Was he just speaking to the ladies in the church? No. It's because James was operating from the understanding that the church is the bride of Christ. And so collectively, as the bride of Christ, when we are unfaithful to Jesus, then we are adulteresses. And so James is saying, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Right? The Holy Spirit is jealous for our undivided affection. When we come to Christ, right, it is, it is a marriage covenant. We are giving ourselves unto the Lord. Again, we belong to him. We are his. And he does not want to stand idly by and watch us flirt with the world, to watch us give our hearts to somebody else. He longs for this. Now, when we talk about friendship with the world, I like how the theologian Kurt Richardson wrote it. He wrote it like this. We're not talking about one of familiarity with the world or active participation in it. Because honestly, we have to do those things. We have to be familiar with the world. We have to actively participate in the world, right? We are in the world, but not of the world. We live our lives here. We have our ministry here. We interact with people. We go to work. We go to school. We have to participate in the world, and we have to be familiar with the world. That's not what the Bible is talking about here when it's talking about friendship with the world. What is it talking about? But rather a personal investment in it and chief concern placed in its ways of life that do not follow the standards established by God for his people. So friendship with the world is investing ourselves in the world and in the ways of the world and making the ways of the world a greater priority in our life than God. And when we do that, we are being an unfaithful spouse. Now, uh, James chapter 4 and verse 5 is actually one of the hardest to translate verses in the entire Bible. There is so much uh, difference as you read all of the different theologians and all of the different commentators and everybody. There's, there is such argument about does the word spirit refer to the Holy Spirit or to the spirit of man? When it's talking about jealousy, is it talking about the godly jealousy of the Holy Spirit or is it talking about the broken envy of man? Right? There's just all of these things that are argued. And, and as you read, you can read 10 different translations of the Bible, and you're going to find four or five different perspectives in how it was translated. And so there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that might fall on a different side of the argument. But I'm going to stick with the idea that in Exodus, right, we know that God is a jealous God. 
So we understand that godly jealousy uh, is a part of holiness. It's not, it's not the broken form of jealousy that, that we experience uh, as human beings, that there is a, a, a godly jealousy. And, and the difference with this godly jealousy, because if you've ever been in an abusive relationship, you, you understand that in the brokenness of our sinfulness, man, the, the, the wrong kind of jealousy is manipulative and it's controlling and it's full of paranoia and, 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 uh, and, and there's there's nothing healthy or fulfilling that comes out of it. But there is a godly jealousy. So I actually like the, the Holman Christian Bible uh, translates it like this. Or do you think it's without reason the scripture says that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? The spirit who lives in us, the Holy Spirit that God gave us at the moment of salvation yearns for us jealously. Or the Passion Translation, which is a translation of the Bible that was written by uh, artists and theologians together that wanted to portray the Scripture in a very artistic way. I love how they translated this. Does the Scripture mean nothing to you that says the Spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? The Holy Spirit is jealous for our undivided affections. Now, now, we hear all the time, you know, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, right? The Holy Spirit's not going to force himself on you. The Holy Spirit is going to stand by and allow you to, to come to him. But listen, if my wife was flirting with another man and I was standing there watching it and I didn't say anything or do anything, you wouldn't call me a gentleman. You'd probably call me a coward, so if we think we can go flirt with the world and the Holy Spirit's not going to do anything and that makes him a gentleman, no. Holy Spirit's not just going to stand by and let you flirt with the world and give yourself away to the world without interacting, right? Jesus said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin, right? The Holy Spirit is going to bring conviction into our hearts. The Holy Spirit is going to uh, rebuke us and challenge us and speak to us and pursue us and love us and keep coming after us. Until, as, as we learn in Romans chapter 1, until we just forsake him so much that he finally says, fine, go have your way. And that's a scary place to be when you get to that place where the Holy Spirit just says, fine, go have your way. We don't want to live in that place. The Holy Spirit is jealous for our undivided affection. Right? There's the old saying that you've got too much sin to enjoy God, but you've got too much God to enjoy sin. Right? Once you get the Holy Spirit in your life, you try to go enjoy sin, and you can't because he won't let you. But then you aren't enjoying God either because your affections have been divided. Are you guys following me today? The Holy Spirit is jealous for our undivided affection, and he will pursue us for that undivided affection. And finally, number three, the Holy Spirit knows the depths of God. The Holy Spirit knows the depths of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Right? And so uh, Paul is using this metaphor here that nobody knows everything about the depths of your thoughts. 
about your heart, about the core of who you are, right? There, there's some things you just keep to yourself. You're just like, you have a thought, and you're just like, I'm never going to tell anybody that I thought that, right? Because uh, there's some things we don't want people to know, right? And then the more we begin to trust people, the more we begin to open ourselves up and share things and let them in, but, but they still don't know everything, right? The only, thing that, the only thing that knows every thought inside of you is the Spirit inside of you. And so the only one that knows every thought of God, the heart of God, the character of God, the nature of God, the very depth of who God is, is the Holy Spirit. And so that means if we want to know God, we're going to find it out through the Holy Spirit. And that's why he's called us into intimacy with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, this is actually Paul's conclusion in his writing to the Corinthians. His closing uh, salutation is this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He names all three persons of the Godhead and names three different distinctives of each one. And the distinctive of the Holy Spirit is the fellowship. Other translations translate it communion with the Holy Spirit. It's the Greek word koinonia, and we'll put this up on the screen. But what does koinonia mean? Well, it can mean fellowship and communion, obviously. Those are the words that are translated in the Bible. But it means companionship, communication, intimacy, sharing together, social intercourse, partnership, joint participation, close mutual association. This is what we have been called into by the Bible in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have been called into partnership and intimacy and that friendship, that companionship, that, that joint participation, that close mutual association, that intimacy, that social intercourse. We have been called into this in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk to you about this intimacy, but I'm actually going to use James to talk to you about it. Why? Because I know some of you are like, you know, I'm really not into this touchy-feely stuff, right? Don't be talking to me about having intercourse with the Holy Spirit, you weirdo. All right, this is right. Some of us are just like, man, I'm not into that stuff. That's for other people. That's not for me. No, this is for all of us. And so... I want to teach it using James. Why? Because of all the men who wrote the New Testament, James was the most legalistic, right? He was the most hard-nosed, right? He was the senior pastor of the first church of Jerusalem. So he was a Jew through and through, and his entire church was made up of Jewish people. And so he wrote from a very Jewish perspective. And so he was very cut and dry, right? That's why he would write stuff like, you adulteresses, right? He would say, you know, uh, show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works, right? He says the tongue is a fire that just sets the whole world ablaze, right? So James is not a touchy-feely guy. And yet James even brings us to this point as we continue in James chapter 4. He says, but he, God, gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble, Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And just when you think maybe James is going soft, he starts calling you names again. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So let's break down some of these words that James uses as we talk about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The first word he said is humble. Right? God gives grace to the humble. 
but he opposes the proud. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit starts from a place of humility, of recognizing that we don't have within ourselves what we need, that within ourselves we are broken human beings and we always fall short, and that we don't deserve any of the grace that we have been shown. But we know that with the Holy Spirit, we have access to all the goodness of God. We have access to all the gifts of God. And so it's in humility that we come to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, it's not about me. I don't want to do it my way. I don't deserve this, but I'm so blessed to be in relationship with you. Right? I don't deserve this, but I'm so blessed to be in relationship with you. James calls us to a place of humility. The second word that James uses is submit. Right? We submit ourselves. We yield ourselves. This is the difference between submitting to God and the friendship with the world that he's talking about. Right? His friendship with the world says, I'm going to do it the world's way. I'm going to follow the world's philosophies. I'm going to pursue uh, the world's popularity. I'm going to pursue the world's approval. And, and I'm going to do it the world's way. Whereas submission says, I'm going to forsake the world. I'm going to forsake my way and my desires. And I'm going to do it God's way. And I'm going to yield myself completely to him and say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. We've got to be humble and we've got to submit. And then he says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Again, knowing that James is Jewish through and through, that in his mind and even in his audience's mind, when he says draw near to God, he is picturing the approach to worship in the temple. Right? He's picturing the approach to worship. That even when the priest was to enter the presence of God, that there was an approaching and there was a preparation. Right? There was an approaching and there was a preparation. He had to ceremonially wash his hands. He had to go through ceremonies of oil and blood and all of the different things. The, the clothing that he wore had to be just right. Even the underwear had to be just right, right? There was, uh, and then the, the incense went under the veil, and then he would go under the veil. There was this approaching, and there was this preparation. Now, we don't live in the Old Testament, so we don't have to go through rituals to approach the presence of God. But there is this understanding that there is this drawing near. There is this approach and this preparation that I'm going to come near to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to approach Him. I'm going to come with the right heart. I'm going to come with the right preparation. I'm going to come yielded. I'm going to draw near to Him. And the practical application of life, of course, we, we practice the daily office. We practice silence and solitude. We worship and we sing unto him. We study the scripture and we invite him to teach us as we read the Bible. There's a lot of practical ways. But understanding that it's a drawing near. And then he talks about hands and heart, right? Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Hands representing the things that we do outwardly and heart representing our inward condition. And so there are things that we do outwardly to draw near to God and walk in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and there's also a condition of the heart inwardly that allows us to yield ourselves in intimacy to the Holy Spirit. So what happens 
when we give ourselves to this kind of intimacy, this kind of relationship. The first is the Holy Spirit. He guides us. He guides us. John 16, verses 12 and 13, Jesus said this, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Right? And so he is going to guide us. So, you know, I love bodyboarding and I love surfing, but I also know that, man, I moved to Hawaii when I was 40, so I don't have a lifetime of experience. I don't have all the knowledge of the ocean and all of that behind me, so uh, I don't know a lot. So I have a couple of principles that I live by to keep myself alive when I go surfing, right? One of those is I don't go to a new surf spot unless somebody I know takes me there. Because I want somebody to show me the ropes, right? I want somebody to show me where's the current coming from, how are the waves moving, where's the shallow reef, where's, where's the entry point, where's the best place to catch this, how do you stay out of the way of the local guys so they aren't cussing at you in the waves, right? I want somebody to show me all of those things. I want a guide. The biggest wave I've ever caught, and it's not that big for those of you that catch big waves, all right? Alan and I, we had gone down to helicopters, and it was a big day. We knew it was going to be a big day, and so we get down there, and it's so big that helicopters is just washed out. And we're like, man, but you look over next to helicopters, and there's a different break that's not there on a small day. It's like, where'd this one come from? And it was huge. And so Alan and I are standing there looking at it, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, no, we shouldn't go out there. That's pretty big. And then this guy pops out of his truck, and he runs over to us. And he's like, hey, are you guys going to go out there? And we're like, uh, we're not too sure. We've never been out there when it's that big. And he's like, well, I don't want to surf alone. I'll take you guys out there. Okay. So we grab our bodyboards. He grabs his surfboard. And we go out there, and we catch these monster waves. We only caught like two or three. And it's like, okay, we didn't die. Let's go back in while we're still ahead, right? But we had that guide who took us out there and showed us where to paddle out so the wave doesn't crash on your head and where to catch the wave and then where to get out of the wave before you get onto the shallow reef, right? You've got that guide. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's going to stop us from having the giant waves of life crashing on our heads because we found ourselves in the wrong spot in the wrong places. He's going to guide us through the difficulties. He's going to show us where we need to be. He's going to lead us step by step. And he's going to help us not be where we're not supposed to be. He's going to guide us. He's going to guide us into what Jesus called all the truth. And so this isn't just the intellectual knowledge of the truth that Jesus taught us. This is understanding how to apply it to everyday circumstances of our lives and how to live in that application of the truth. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us in that when we walk in intimacy with him. Jesus said he's going to disclose to us what is to come, right? We're going to have a prophetic relationship with the Holy Spirit where he's going to reveal to us the next step and the next step and the next place and things that are to come and things that are to happen. He's going to guide us. We need that guide in life. We can only have that guide when we walk in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Second thing he does is he points us to Jesus. 
Continuing on into verse 14, Jesus said, He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, and therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Right? One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that he shines a spotlight on Jesus. Everything that the Holy Spirit does points us to Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit does points the world to Jesus. And this is why it's a problem when we get our emotionalism and we get the weirdness of our humanity mixed up with the Holy Spirit and we've got churches that can do some weird things and some goofy things and get all outlandish because they say we're in the spirits. But when you were flopping like a fish at the altar and barking like a dog, were you pointing anybody to Jesus? No, you were just being weird. All right? The Holy Spirit points everything to Jesus, everything the Holy Spirit does. So when he heals, when he does miracles, when he falls on you, when he empowers you with a gift to stand in front of the church and operate in the gifts of the Spirit, right? When he is transforming people's lives by his power, everything he does is he points people to Jesus. He takes what is of Jesus and he reveals it to the world. And I love this, right? Because we know Jesus said that he served the will of the Father, and now we know that the Holy Spirit serves the mission of Jesus. So this means that the Godhead is always united in mission and in purpose. Jesus serving the Father. The Holy Spirit serving Jesus. And so again, if we want to know Jesus more, then we walk in more intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to reveal Jesus to us. And to take of what is Jesus and disclose it in our lives. He also reveals all that God has freely given to us. Going back to 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, Paul writes, But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. As we read earlier, the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is, who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit is going to remind us He's going to reveal to us all that God has freely given to us, right? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for us. That means in the natural, we are not drawn to. In the natural, we do not understand. In the natural, we do not fix our eyes on all the amazing things God has done for us. It's only revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. But when we are walking in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the one who knows the depths of God, the very heart and thoughts of God, will remind us on a daily basis all that God has freely given us. The promises of Jubilee. And so, when you're tempted to befriend the world or to give in to sin, the Holy Spirit is there to remind you God has something greater for you. When you're struggling in your own strength to try to get through life, the Holy Spirit is there to remind you, God's got so much more strength, and it's made perfect in your weakness.
The Holy Spirit will continually remind you, you have access to all the authority of heaven. You don't have to live like this anymore. God has so much more for you. When we walk in intimacy with the Spirit, He will remind us of those things in the struggles of our daily lives when we need it most. He'll be there to remind us. And then finally, He produces His fruit in our lives. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Come on. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Be led by the Spirit, and you will not be under the law. He then goes on to list a long list of the sins of the flesh. We can just, Karen, put those up on the screen quickly. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And then let's jump to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Listen. The more we walk in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, the more that our lives and our behavior will reflect the fruit of the Spirit. And the more we'll live the way God intended us to live. And when we live that way in a broken, fallen world, the more that we will point people to Jesus. And the more we will be empowered to live out the masterpiece ministry we have been called to. And we can continue the Jubilee message of Jesus. We have this wrong mindset that we come to Christ, we come to a church altar, we pray a sinner's prayer, we give our life to Jesus, and then just like a magical wand, God just drops a bucket full of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and suddenly we're who we're supposed to be. That's not how it works. It's through daily intimacy with the Holy Spirit that He begins to produce in you some patience, some kindness, some gentleness some brotherly love, some peace. These things are produced within us through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, church, we are calling you to that touchy-feely stuff. We are calling you to not just live life by a routine checklist. I read my Bible. I went to church. I went to work. I paid the bills. No. We are called to live a life of walking with the Spirit, of being led by the Spirit, of being in step with the Spirit. And when we do that on a daily basis and we walk in this intimacy of the Holy Spirit, He shapes us into who we're supposed to be. And He releases us into the people and the places that we're supposed to be to fulfill the ministry that we were created to do. Let me have the worship team come back up today. John Bevere teaches about the three levels of relationship, that there's these three levels. The first one being the physical level, which would be the shallowest level of relationship. And, right, that's just like, hey, that person's hot, and I'm really attracted to them. All right, that's, that's the physical level of relationship. 
And then there's the soul level of relationship. Right? We read about this in the Bible when it talks about how Jonathan and David's souls were knit together, right? Where you begin to share your hearts with one another and you have this soul level of relationship. But the third level, the deepest level, is the spiritual level of relationship. And so listen, if, if you married somebody because they knocked your socks off and you just thought they were the most beautiful thing in the world, that's great. But if that's all you've got, that marriage isn't going to last. You've got to go from the physical attraction to the soul relationship because you guys have shared your hearts with each other. And then the marriages that last get into the spiritual relationship, right? That's why they talk about the divorce rate in Christianity is 50%. But when you have couples that pray together every day, the divorce rate drops to 2%. Why? Because they've entered that spiritual realm of the relationship. You know, in John chapter 20, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus first revealed himself to the disciples. And so the second time when Thomas was there, Jesus said, here, put your hand in the holes in my wrists. Put your hand in the hole in my side. And Thomas declared, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you now believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. He was talking about us. See, here's the beautiful thing about intimacy with the Holy Spirit is we don't have to be distracted by the physical aspect of relationship because we never physically walked with God. We get to move past the distraction of the shallowest part of the relationship and move right to the deepest part of relationship. In Galatians, which we're reading this weekend in our Rooted Bible reading, Paul said, the gospel I preach, I wasn't taught it by any man. It was revealed to me by the Spirit of Christ. Right? It was the Holy Spirit that revealed these things. Now, Paul had one encounter. He had one Christophany where Jesus knocked him off his horse and spoke to him. But Paul didn't walk in a physical relationship with Jesus. Paul walked with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that Peter, when he writes about Paul, Peter actually wrote, Paul teaches some things that are difficult to understand. And that's fascinating. A guy who physically walked with Jesus for three years is saying, man, this other apostle Paul, he's writing some deep stuff. Because Paul was never distracted by the physical aspect of the relationship. He went to the depth of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, we are blessed because we have never seen him in the physical, and yet we believe in the spiritual. So we have been invited into the deepest level of relationship with the God of the universe, undistracted by any physical encounter through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So will you stand with me today? I just want to pray for you, and then we're just going to continue to press in. But my heart and my prayer is this, is that moving forward, starting today, starting tomorrow, moving forward, we would draw near to God through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We would not see him as a tool in our hands. We would see ourselves as a tool in his hands. We would not see him as a bucket of water through which we could get more. But we would see him as a person through which we could give more of ourselves to him. And as we begin to live this life of intimacy of the Holy Spirit, 
that he will guide us into all the places we should be. He will shape us into all the fruits of the character that we need to have. He will remind us of all that we have access to in the kingdom of his glorious son. And he will shine a spotlight on Jesus through our lives that we could turn this world upside down with the ministry he has called us to. That's my heart. That's my prayer today. Lord, make it so. Let this word fall into each of our hearts like a seed and let it take hold in the soil and let it begin to produce an abundant fruit in our lives. I pray that this word would continue to rattle around in our thoughts and our heart even as we go home from church today, when we wake up tomorrow morning, when we try to go back to the routine and something within us says, no, don't go back to the routine. Draw near, draw near. And Lord, you would draw us to a new place of intimacy. And then, Lord, we would begin to see the fruit in Kauai Bible Church. We'd begin to see the fruit all over the island. We'd begin to see the fruit around the world of what would happen if a people of God yielded themselves completely to the Holy Spirit and walked in such an intimacy that, Lord, we could hear your voice. We could follow your leading. We could be obedient to your every command. And that when we speak and when we live, we would look and sound like you. Jesus, call us to that place of intimacy. Call us to that place of intimacy and shape us fresh and anew for the good works you planned for us, Lord. We thank you for that. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Not as a wind, not as a fire, not as water pouring out over the church. Would you come like a person and walk amongst us? That even as we worship you now, we could feel your closeness. We could hear your voice. That even now as we worship you, miracles would begin to happen. Miracles of healing, but also just miracles of a changed heart. Miracles of changed attitudes. Miracles of breaking off broken behaviors and old patterns of the world that have clung to our lives. Miracles of redemption and restoration would begin to happen. Because, Holy Spirit, you walked among us. So we worship you now. We yield ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, come have your way. We just want to be close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.